Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents and adults trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and future and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. Part three of a three-part series. We'll pick up where we left off. So what happened to Seth? Yeah, so like I said, Seth started really reacting in the women's refuge mm-hmm. um and it didn't it didn't stop from there so he started being quite aggressive to his brother um he was very sexual to um girls in the women's refuge as well yeah. um and a psychologist came to me and said do you think anything sexual may have happened to Seth um and to that I said yeah possibly um and since then, my sister, because my sister, my younger sister actually came and lived with us for a bit. Um, I thought I was getting her out of domestic violence <laughs> with her partner. See what I mean? Like you don't even realise you're in it yourself. Mm. Um, and she's actually told me some things that um, happened while I wasn't there because um, I had to go work because there was like bills to be paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, she came home from work um, early and saw the kids tied to chairs um, and also that they had to watch some really bad stuff like, you know, Grand Theft Auto with the prostitute killing and stuff like that. So she oh. saw some stuff. Um, she told me she untied the kids and locked them in her room with her um so, yeah, there's definitely some stuff that's gone on that I haven't obviously known about. Um, 
And even now today, Seth is still talking to a psychologist about everything he remembers. He's a very smart kid with a Mm. very vivid memory, um, which is unfortunate in this circumstance. Um, But, yeah, he just started becoming really quite aggressive to his brother. Um, And this went on for years. Um, And then one day Seth tried killing himself. Oh, my God. How old was he? He was seven. And you would have not been too long away from your ex-husband. Yeah, I was divorced by then, thank God. Um, That was one of the first things that I, you know, did. Obviously, I don't know why, but you have to wait a year. Um, Under these circumstances, you still have to wait a year to be divorced. Um, But I just needed to have my last name changed because it was such a trigger to me. Mm, Um, Yeah to have that last name was such a trigger. So it was a real uh, relief for me once I had my, you know, my maiden name back for sure. But, um, yeah, so he was seven years old and he had a knife to his throat and he said, stay back, I'm going to kill myself. Um, And... In that time, there were signs like I was asking for help. I was asking child protection for help. I was asking the hospital for help. But nobody helps you until they need to. Yeah. Yeah. This is just my personal experience. Um, Like I was telling them something's not right with my son you walked into his room and everywhere all over his room was like a horror movie. I had like, I hate myself everywhere. Like you looked at like the planks underneath his mattress and every single plank said, I hate myself. I hate myself. I need to kill myself constantly. You looked in every single page of every single book. I hate myself. I want to kill myself. It's just such a little kid. Yeah, and so I called the police and the police said they almost didn't come because they thought it was a prank. Um, They did tell me that 100% and they didn't know what to do. See, back then, I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's, there needs to be some serious training in domestic violence in mm. all different areas, right? Anyway, so... Who was it? The ambulance was called as well. And the ambulance and the police had a chat. And the ambulance said, no, we need to take this kid. Like, this kid cannot stay here tonight. Like, Mm. we need to take him Mm. to the hospital. I'm really glad that they knew that that's what they needed to do. And so he went to, you know, a normal hospital first. um, And it was the most horrendous thing that I think a mum could ever go through because they literally took him to like one of those rooms where he couldn't hurt himself. Yeah, which are horrible. Those rooms are horrible. You know, and he was just screaming and screaming and they had to sedate him and it was literally like watching one of those movies, you know, where those kids are like all wrapped up kind of thing and can't move. Like it was... 
it was intense. And then they quickly moved him to a mental kids hospital. Um, and then Seth started obviously getting very violent with me while I was there. Um, okay. And they had like, you know, the kicking, like I had to hold like stuff so that mm-hmm. he could mm-hmm. kick it without hurting me. And I had to lock myself in a room um, at points. And it was just absolutely such a devastating time for me. Um watching him try and bang his head on walls just to try and hurt himself and everything. Cool. And um, they got the highest professionals in to watch Seth and observe Seth and understand what was going on with this child um, because what would happen is Seth would, like, act out and then he would, it's like he wasn't there. So he would act out, he would hurt you, and then he would be like, he'd come back out of it and be like, what, what's everyone upset about? So we didn't know whether this kid had, like, bipolar, like a a personality disorder. Like, we had no idea Mm. what was going on to the point where he strangled his brother at some point and didn't even know he had done it. So um, I was like, you need to, like, work out what's wrong with my son and I remember them sitting me down and child protection being there it was a very serious meeting and they said Danielle we've come to the conclusion that Seth has PTSD which I already knew that I did so Mm. it wasn't like a huge shock to me yeah um but then they said but one of his triggers is your face And that just killed me in my insides. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And then I became very suicidal after that because I blamed myself that everything that was going on with Seth was my fault. And I couldn't let it go. Um, and I remember sitting down with a social worker and saying, I can't let this go. And to this day, like, I'm so grateful that she said this to me and this is why I wrote this in my book, is this wasn't your fault, Danielle. And I said, yeah, it was because I should have, like, taken the kids and helped them. Like, there was times where Seth was being hurt and I didn't even freaking move. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm not a good mum. And they turned around and they said to me, Danielle, you were on this thing, what we call aeroplane mode. So you can see what's going on around you, but you literally can't even make a proper decision. Mm-hmm. And you're on survival mode. Yeah. And once they explained that to me and why I didn't do what I did and why I didn't leave when I did, you know, mm-hmm. I was able to let that go and realise that it wasn't my fault. And that none of it was my fault and none of it was my responsibility. And it really saved my life. I really, truly believe that. Yeah. Knowing those facts. And that's why I say to people, knowledge is power. Because yeah. if you understand 
what's going on or understand why your mind is doing what it's doing. Yeah. You can process that. Absolutely. So yeah. where is where is Seth now? So in the meeting, we decided that it was in Seth's best interest for us to go on a reunification order, which is he goes into child protection. Um, and we work really hard to bring him back home um, with like tapping therapy and everything else. Um, and we did that for many years and unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, and I had to make the most difficult decision of my life and as a mum and let my son go permanently to child protection and sign him over completely. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Dr. Olga Laval and Associates, award-winning providers of psychological services, including telehealth and phone consultations, empowering people to make meaningful changes to their lives. For more information, please go to www.olgalaval.com. Where is he? So after doing something like that, um, I'm the first in Melbourne and Perth to have done it um, due to those reasons. Um, first of all, like when we went to court to do it, I was told by child protection and my lawyers, oh, it's going to take ages, you know, no magistrate just signs off, you know, letting a kid go permanently. Um, and the magistrate turned around, shocked everyone and said, nope, she's done everything in her power. And we do believe that this is the best thing for this child and did it then and there. So, of course, I went straight on aeroplane mode and shock mode. Um, I then went through losing my son and felt like he had died and nonstop crying and went through all those grieving stages for a few years. And then, um, like, my family also was grieving as well because then they weren't seeing him or anything and it's like everybody lost Seth. It was really hard to explain to people. Mm. I hate the words. And I tell, I tell even my students to this day, you know, if someone's going through something traumatising, do not ask them, are you okay? <laughs> it's the meanest thing that you could possibly ask someone. Because it's no. The answer yeah, is it's no. no. Not it's okay. Absolutely no. And the other one is, why didn't you just leave? Uh-huh. They're the two that really tick people off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the other one, like I say it all the time, is when someone's upset or overwhelmed and people t- tell them to calm down. Oh, please never say that. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Nah, In the history nah, nah. of the entire human race, telling someone to calm down has never effectively helped anyone calm down. It's yep. the dumbest thing you can say. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Asking if someone's okay, knowing that they're in trauma right now, is it's it, it's we say it when we don't know what to say. We're like, yeah. I need you to tell me what to do to support you. And that's that's sometimes just don't talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and be see, in that time frame, um, 
when I was in the mental hospital with Seth, um, they came to me with a doctor and they said, listen, Danielle, we know that you're on PT, like we know you have PTSD and that you're going through a really difficult time right now. Are you on any medication? I said, no, 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 I'm not going on any medication. My mum um, suffered with depression and, um, you know, she tried killing herself while she was on this medication. There's no way I'm going on it. I know it numbs all your feelings, all your emotions. I'm not going on it. And then so they sat me down and they educated me and they said, yes, back then the mm. antidepressants was doing that. But now it's actually been reformed to do yeah. this. And it's it. And then they said to me, um, it numbs the bad feelings, but not the good. And then once I said that, I was like, hook me up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to the fact when they were saying that possibly your flashbacks will be numbed I was like please for the love of God yeah, let them turn go that away volume right? down because flashbacks for anyone with PTSD and I just want to educate just a few people that may not know this so when someone has PTSD and they receive a trigger so it might be a song a movie a smell a location the list goes on and on if that happens their body is triggered so much that they go back into that very moment that they were traumatized in so you'll be speaking to me and you'll be like Danielle 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 and I'm just like not there which is what was happening to Seth he didn't know that he was hurting people because he was back in that very moment and still to this day he can't believe that he was hurting people now so to have someone say to you there's a possibility that we could numb that was huge for me massive yeah. for me so I gave it a go and a few days later the doctor came to me and said how's it all going and I said I'm like in disbelief and he's like tell me what's going on and I'm like okay so I'm in the shower I sit in the shower I still do from time to time because it's how I process things I don't know it's just my thing and I was sitting in the shower and for the very first time in nearly all my life, I would say, I saw water falling. And he said, that's because <laughs> when you're on like this, like your brain is so overworked that it says to itself, okay, we only give the important things that Danielle needs to keep her alive and safe, right? So when you've got this antidepressants, it's giving the ability for your brain to slow down and see the other things. So I could see water falling from the shower. I could see people walking. I could mm -hmm. see just all these different things that you would normally see in life for the first time I could see them. Wow. Yeah, that would it have was been huge. incredible. It was huge. And I, I still to this day use like my brain was like a computer. Mm -hmm. So it would like, and it was so, it was so embarrassing. And I talked to so many women about this and they say exactly the same thing to me. It's the most embarrassing thing. Like I could be talking to you right now and then out of nowhere I go, sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. Like, give me a second. And it almost felt like my brain had to reboot itself. Mm -hmm. because it just lost it like completely yeah. like nothing was there I couldn't recall anything 
And so when I went on this medication, it didn't do that anymore. It yeah. was huge. It was absolutely so sort of, life-changing. So what you're describing is, is we call it a dissociation. So you sort of dissociate from reality and it's a really common trauma response. So you were able to sort of re-engage in that way. So brings me to where are you now and how did we meet? Yeah, okay. So um, where are we now? So Seth started writing me letters, um, which was huge. Um, the first letter I got from him, I wasn't prepared for it. So I sat at my front door crying for hours, physically unable to move because it felt like my child had risen from the dead, literally. Yeah. Um, we started talking on just letters for about a year. Um, and in that time frame, I had a partner um, and now I'm about to get married in two months. And I have always thought I would really love Seth at my wedding. Like I'd really, really mm. love it. And I knew that it was a very hard thing to ask, not only of him, but of child protection. Um, and by a miracle, somehow we've got there um, <gasps> and he's going to walk me down the aisle. Oh. I still don't understand how this is happening. But um, we had our first phone call um, a few weeks ago and just hearing his voice was like, oh, it was the most amazing, that's amazing feeling ever. Yeah, it was amazing. And um, Seth um, hated Malachi for many, many years because he he thought in his head that Malachi had lied about everything he had done and that's why he had been taken away. Oh. Yeah. So he hated him. He's like, how dare you tell mum I tried strangling you and now I don't live at home. And, I mean, he hated him, right? Mm. And, um, like, I wasn't allowed to bring him up in any letters, like nothing. So um, I actually just did what any mum, I think, would do and be like, hey, I just want to let you know the truth. Now, my child is very intelligent and, like, once he said, I don't want to talk to Malachi, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? Can I just explain what's going on here? Mm. And so he knows he has PTSD. So I explained to him, actually, honey, that did happen. I witnessed it. I wouldn't just take your brother's word for it. I actually saw it physically. And the reason why you can't remember it is this, 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 this. Yeah. And then he was like, he was taken back. And he was like, whoa, like, whoa. But then he was like, let me talk to Malachi. I need to apologise to him. So yeah. they've actually reconcil um, reconciliation, which is amazing. That's um, awesome. And I got to see my son two weeks ago. Um, it was the most incredible thing I could have ever hoped for. Um, I was very nervous. I was, even though we had been speaking on the phone and letters and stuff like that, and he had always said, I love you, mom. I miss you, mom. Um, you know, you're always nervous. Like, how's it going to go? Like, yeah. are you going to be angry at me still? And, and so he just ran up straight up to me and gave me a huge hug and 
We talked for ages and my partner actually came with me because he wanted to meet him. He was very strict in saying, I need to meet him. I need to see if he's good enough for my mum. It was just such a beautiful moment. And, yeah, so for him to be coming to my wedding is just such a 180 around what we've completely gone through. And I guess it's just that encouragement for anyone out there that, may feel like nothing's going to get better to have that whole complete I've done the whole 180 I've created a book to help women through you know their first few stages that they'll go through and it's a free resource for anyone in need professional or clientele it's it's there for you what's the name of it uh how can people find it so www.hope4dv Oh, sorry, fdv.com. And then you just um, literally it will come up with There Is Hope. And then you just can click um, to have an ebook or you can click to have a printable version. And it's for anyone in need. It's actually gone global. Some lady from Alabama's reached out. Mm-hmm. The book itself has been saving people's lives, um, so which is just the most incredible thing ever. Um, I finished it during the first time we had COVID. Um, because I felt like it was going to really save people's lives because we lost a lady due to domestic violence in that time frame. And I thought to myself, now I've got to push through. I've got to finish this. So it's now in uh, family domestic violence uh, police units. It's in um, anywhere that anyone needs it. And I want to branch it out even further. I want to create... Um, it to be available um, more in printable version because we found that a lot of women like love to have it as like a mm. gift it's like to hold um, so we're looking at becoming a not-for-profit next year um, which is how I met yourself um, <laughs> that's right and um, yeah we're creating a board at the moment and then that way we can have grants and and uh, really expand this book. Um, and then we also have Sisters of Hope as well, which is the first in WA. Um, and Sisters of Hope is a place where any survivors um, that are female uh, can come and just have a safe place where they can communicate with one another and we've seen a huge amount of people come and be like you know I wasn't ready to go to a counsellor because I didn't want to feel like I've been judged but you know just to have that safe place that they can come and hang out and we do social things as well so we're looking to expand that into other states but for the moment we're actually doing uh, like Zoom, um, mm-hmm. where we actually do it like worldwide, which has been absolutely incredible. So we've got ladies from like America waking up super early, mm-hmm. you know, different times and yeah. stuff. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to have such a community like Sisters of Hope. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioural Education, providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au.
it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing, Danielle. And I'm I'm so glad you've been on the podcast today because when when I you were looking for um, directors for the board for the non for profit, and I put my hand up and said, I want to help. I, I really want to help because I think what you're doing is incredible, and I want mm. if. You, I can help you save other women. I will do whatever you need. And we had an, I say interview, but it's a loose term because we just got chatting. <laughs> we just got chatting. Um, and yeah, from there, it's it's just growing and growing. And I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you've come on the podcast today. Um, I, I want to tell your story too. Because what you have to say is important, and it's not just about awareness. It's it's about hope. I want yeah. If somebody 100%. hears you and says, oh, "Maybe I can leave." Yeah, yeah, then- it's huge to have like, and that's how I felt like when I was in the women's refuge. Like I was asking the staff, I was like, "Have you been through this? Have you been through this?" And none of them could say yes. So you can't in that moment you don't really want to relate to someone like that you want to relate to someone that's been through it that can push you past and that's why I created the book because I couldn't find any resource at that time that could show me that a woman had made it past and hadn't killed herself and hadn't killed her kids or hadn't gone back to the perpetrator and so that day that's what it says in the book that day I made that decision that that was going to be me and the books actually had awards already and and it's just been such an incredible experience and I'm so glad that I was able to put this resource as a free resource because it shouldn't be money involved in this scenario this is about saving people's lives and it's such a great thing to you know like the neighbor you know when the when people in the community don't know what to do but they can mm-hmm. hear it you know yeah just absolutely to have that other resource where you know if it's safe enough they can be like hey have you looked at this you know so it's 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 for everyone yeah and it's so I'm a gonna, great education tool i'm going to put a link to the resource in the show notes so people can access it um yeah that freely. would be great and and also um, information about um, the the non for profit that we're working on in our socials as well. That would be thank fantastic. You, thank you so much for joining me on the Trauma Tales today. It's been uh, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This is the end of part three. Thank you for joining me today on the Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email The Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.